0: Exploremore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. Chapter 25, Afghan Encounters, 19th to the 20th of September, 1977, Afghanistan. I woke up with that tingly, excited feeling in my tummy, knowing that we were off on a fresh adventure, rather like crossing the Sahara, full of uncertainties and possible danger. We would be driving an estimated 900 miles across the central route, through the Hindu Kush, from to Kabul. So, are we all set? Alec asked the convoy team at 8.30. Sure, let's go, called Simon. Bien sûr, allons-y, affirmed Jean-Luc. Our Land Rover led the way out of town, followed by the Swiss and backed up by the other Brits. Three Land Rovers fitted to the hilt with cross-country equipment, winches, shovels and spare parts, and topped up with fuel and water. We looked pretty cool as our convoy drove out of Herat and headed south along the Russian-built concrete road. The trees lined the road in salute as we proudly went by. The miles were clocking up very nicely as we zipped along, enjoying the buzz of anticipation. Oh my goodness, look at that! Alec exclaimed as he slowed down our vehicle. In the corner of his wing mirror he had seen a black object racing diagonally forward from behind. He pulled onto the side of the road and we climbed out, just as Jean Luc and Martin's vehicle tucked in behind us. We were aghast to see Simon and Rose's crippled Land Rover bearing down on its left front brake drum, scoring a groove in the concrete as it skid along. It came to a sizzling halt, looking dejected and shameful. Its left front wheel had since rolled away into the scrubland until it toppled over and lay flat and still. "'Are you all right?' I shouted as we all ran to Simon and Rose's aid. We found them shaken and bruised, but fortunately nothing more. "'Damn!' said Simon. "'I knew I should have checked and tightened those wheel nuts again this morning. "'I was so eager to be away that I forgot.' "'It's all right, Simon. We're not hurt. It's OK.' said Rose. Are you crazy? shouted Simon. This is the last thing we need. What are we going to do now? Alec offered a practical solution. I'll go and retrieve the wheel whilst you all look for the wheel nuts. Amazingly, every one of the five nuts were found within a short distance of each other. The wheel was soon refitted firmly to the ailing Land River and we continued on along the main road. We soon reached the dirt track on the left that we had been looking for, opposite a signpost on the right to Shindand. It was an endless track, going on and on and on, past several villages, until we stopped at one that had fuel, a hand pump attached to a 45-gallon drum of petrol. We all promptly topped up our tanks and jerrycans again. Simon inquired where it might be possible to buy a new brake drum to replace their damaged one. None of us were surprised with what he discovered. He and Rose needed to return to the main road and continue driving south to Kabul by Kandahar. Our convoy was down to two vehicles. As we drove along the central route towards Farsi, the cross-country track was very visible. It was encouraging to see local traffic coming along too, reassuring us that we were on the right road as marked on the map. The terrain was dry and dusty, with shades of beige to pink earth on the gravelly rolling hills. Two loaded lorries came towards us, packed to overflowing with merchandise and people. Sitting way up high on top of the piled goods were rugged turbaned men hanging on to their baggage. Inside the cab, the long bench seat was bulging out with more men, even one between the driver and the cab door. The front mudguards provided a seat to a man either side of the bonnet. Not to miss the chance of a ride, there were outriders standing on the step up to the cab, holding onto the open windows of the doors. At the back of the truck, several men gripped tightly to whatever they could hold onto as their feet perched on the back bumper. One of the trucks waved us down and asked if we could sell them any fuel. We obliged and sold two gallons from one of our jerrycans. It was a hot day with temperatures above 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It was unbelievable that many of the men were wearing heavy overcoats or army jackets over their traditional dress. 30 miles west of Farsi, we arrived at a village just as it was getting dark and we decided to stay for the night. There was a mud hut hotel where the four of us had a glass of tea observed by the local men and lads. Our Land Rovers were parked at the edge of the village. Late after supper, a big truck loaded with men, women and children stopped nearby to camp for the night. They all slept outside on the ground under the stars, pulling their clothes and any blankets they might have tightly around them. The strength of the howling wind rocked the Land River through the night. At one point, a pack of dogs turned up. Some were tall and hairy, with big feet and floppy ears, Others slender with short curly hair and long ears. They eerily howled as they prowled around the camp. Someone sent a few stones flying their way and the dogs yelped and scarpered back to the village. Cock-a-doodle-doo! crowed the village cockerel as the travellers clambered back on the lorry and were away at first light. We were not far behind, leaving at 730 En route, we saw many nomadic camel trains. The camels were loaded with tent poles, carpets, coffee pots and the odd chicken or two. Children and old people rode aloft the camels and donkeys. Men, women and older children walked alongside as their dogs troweled behind. The irrigation system used extensively in that area cut channels across the dirt road, making careful concentrated driving essential to avoid being jarred. Any land that could be farmed was abundantly irrigated. The fields of gold and corn were being harvested by hand using a sickle and stick, then gathered into a pile on the ground. Five cows trampled around and around on the sheaves of corn, releasing the grains of wheat. Every so often we passed by a graveyard. Each grave was denoted by a pile of stones covering the earth, with a larger stone at each end. New graves had leafy branches from a tree stuck in the ground, top and bottom. Tied onto the branches were strips of material fluttering in the breeze. Cattle horns and china pots were displayed on some of the graves. Our 100-mile drive of the day went well, and it was good to chat with Jean-Luc and Martin at natural stops along the way. We drove through stunning valleys, passes and gorges, We saw many nomadic encampments with black tents pitched and fires glowing brightly where the women were cooking. Children ran to the roadside, waving excitedly to welcome us. We waved back with joy. Going through Tuluk, en route to Sabrak, the night was drawing in, so we stopped at the next village. Three men approached our parked vehicles and we asked through sign language if we could stay there for the night. They amicably agreed and there soon gathered an intrigued crowd of locals watching us. They were fascinated when we put up our extending roof. I was busy with taking the cooker, kettle and other stuff out of the cupboards, ready to prepare the dinner. I pumped water to make it flow out of the tap on top of the worktop as I filled the kettle. Alec was doing an all-round check of the vehicle, including the air pressure in the tyres. Jean-Luc and my were doing the same in their vehicle. We were putting on quite the show and our audience chatted excitedly as they commented to one another about our curious antics. Then a man called my attention to come out to see his wife. She was a short lady dressed in a burgundy floral patterned heavy cotton midi-length dress with long sleeves. The bodice and wide cuffs were intricately embroidered. Over her braided long black hair, she had a matching cloth that reached down to the hem of the dress. Below that I could see she had on loose black pantaloons that were cuffed at the ankles and her feet were clad in embroidered leather shoes with pointed curved up toes. She was adorned with rings on her fingers, wide solid silver bracelets and an elaborate double chain of heavy silver jewellery that was draped from her shoulder across her body to her waist. It was made up of a solid silver purse and other solid shapes that were inset with ruby gems. She held her hand to the side of her swollen face. She was in great pain. I looked into her mouth and saw a broken, decayed tooth, so I applied drops of clove oil and gave her a paracetamol tablet. Another lady came forward, complaining of toothache and backache, paracetamol for her too, and deep-heat ointment to rub into her back. With the crowd of inquisitive villagers, I patiently waited before cooking supper. After some time, a man told everyone to go home. He bade us goodnight with his raised hand and closed our door. I cooked, we ate, and after a game of scrabble, we organised our bed and settled down to sleep. That night, another howling dog pack was on patrol. Total distance driven, 25,025 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels, with a devil or two to boot, by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by ExploreMore. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman, with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others, and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot